Hey everyone, this is RJ Thompson uh, with you again, uh, hosting the City of You podcast. I'm sitting in my office in Phelps Hall on the campus of Youngstown State University, and uh, sitting across from me is a lovely fellow named Justin Mondock. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, that's right. Really? Okay, it's not Mondock? Nope. Okay. There's All right, so the O is definitely in there between the... Great. Um, how are you doing today? Very good. Very good. We just uh, launched our website, and we've got some media coverage coming out. So, so uh, that's wonderful. Um, for the uninitiated listening, what, uh, what did you launch? So Start at the beginning. Sure. At the very beginning. Uh, so <laughs> a few months ago, or actually... How many years <laughs> does this go back? This actually doesn't go back that far. Uh, okay. Maybe November or December of last year um, was finishing up the Emerging Leaders Program through the Raymond John Wien Foundation. And uh, met someone there by the name of Chris Tennant. Uh, we were both in the program together, and he had started uh, substitute teaching in the city of Youngstown School District. Uh, was over on the east side one day and was telling me about how a majority of the kids in the class that he was student uh, substitute teaching for spoke Spanish as their first language. Uh, That's cool. So it, you know, it was something that came up and got me thinking. And I had come across a website in the Cleveland area done by uh, Cuyahoga Community College and a few of their partners there, where they collected some just basic resources that exist in the Cleveland area from different organizations and agencies. Uh, and they translated into Spanish, hosted it on their website, and made it available uh, for people that, that have some struggles with the English language, especially after uh, Hurricanes Maria and Irma occurred last year in Puerto Rico and started relocating to Cleveland. So saw that idea, partnered up with Chris, said, you know, this seems super easy to do. Let's let's bring it to Youngstown. Uh, so we went to the Wien Foundation. We're gracious enough to get a community investment grant from them uh, and hit the ground running really the beginning of this year. Um, we vetted all of the resources, you know, put together a list of any of the community organizations uh, that, that we could think of in a variety of different categories, whether that's food, clothing, housing, education, mm-hmm. health care. You know, we tried to run the gamut of what or the real basic needs uh, when, when you're coming somewhere with nothing. Uh, so we put together a list. We called them all, uh, made sure that they were providing those services, um, were willing to you know, be featured on our site, and then also asked if they provided any Spanish language assistance. Uh, so if they have any staff members there, or if they have some kind of language <laughs> line or service that they use. Uh, and from there, we worked with Jet Creative, who's a great design company here locally, uh, they did all of the logo design work and uh, built the website for us, and that kind of love you, Jet. Us today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Emily and Sarah there. Uh, so uh, you had mentioned that some of the hurricane survivors uh, migrated to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. How many of them have you found, or maybe not so much? How many? But uh, what's the migration to Youngstown been like for those folks? So mostly it's family based. They know okay. someone here, and that's why they would uh, come to the Mahoning Valley. Working with Oka, we kind of got a sense of how many people have come here since uh, the hurricanes. When we first started the project, I think they had mentioned about 240 people. Uh, they had registered through their system and programs. Um, and That's significant. Yeah, and most recently, those are big families. Yeah. It's been close to 300 people. So, wow. And and that's just who have gotten in touch with Oka. I'm sure there's an entire, you know population that, that haven't reached out to them or even know that that resource exists. So that's really who we're trying to target. And, and the, the students that are in your peers' class, um, are they 
survivors themselves or do they just happen to be bilingual uh, residents? Uh, I think there was an existent population mm -hmm. uh, that, that has Spanish as a first language, as a background, especially with family at home. Um, whether they're, you know, first generation here, second generation, I'm not quite sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Chris, talking to some of the aides at the school district, um, definitely got the sense that, that they were seeing an uptick in the population of Spanish language speaking children. And I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because throughout my travels with, with the City View, I have discovered this large pocket of, of Spanish speakers and a, a very beautiful, wonderful Spanish, you know, Spanish heritage community. Um, and the discovery of, of Oka as well. Um, for those listening, uh, and perhaps Justin, do you know? Do you know the f full name of the acronym? Or it's it's tough, folks. Like I'm not putting them on the spot. But uh, yeah, I mean, we could look it up, but yeah. uh, off offhand, I don't. I'll put an edit yeah. in at the end. Uh, we love you, Oka, if you're listening. Um, but your language is hard for us. <laughs> we're learning. We're learning. Yes, I I'm, I know my numbers and my colors. That's about where I'm at too. Yeah. I, I yeah. took a little bit of Spanish in college, and that's yeah. that's my extent. Uh, my daughter loves Spanish. She's two and a half, and she loves learning. Uh, we're really pushing a second language. So um, I, I love to see not only just her investment, but also yours. Like, it's intimidating for uh, a, a mono speaker, essentially, uh, we only speak English, right, uh, to pick up a language as an adult. I feel like it's harder. Oh, um, definitely. And, and, but for you, more so because, like, you just decided to jump into the Spanish language pool and not know anything and like expect to swim, it feels like. Sure, yeah. I kind <clears> of <throat> have taken almost a behind-the-scenes approach to the project. Uh, okay. I applaud Chris a lot. He did a lot of the groundwork and okay. you know, connecting with organizations or people in the community. And um, Chris actually had done a lot of work uh, with members of his family and, and people that were coming over here resettling and helping them get established and get their feet on the ground. Uh, the WKBN story just highlighted a gentleman by the name of Eric Rios, mm -hmm. uh, essentially lost everything in Puerto Rico and found his way here, and Chris wow. was able to help him you know, find a place to live, get a job, get a car, find clothes, a refrigerator, you know, mm -hmm. just those necessities that you know, sometimes we overlook at how difficult those are to come, come by. What, uh, maybe in the context of that gentleman, what has his uh, perspective been, like his reaction to Youngstown? Because, like, you said he lost everything, and then to come here where, you know, in fairness, there's a portion of the population that can't wait to get out. So there's two different di parallel dynamics at play, opposite ends of the spectrum. What's his, been, what's his reaction been? Sure, I think his perspective is just that he's gracious that so many people have reached out and been able to help him. Um, and, you know, I don't think he sees kind of the negative side to the way some people think about this area. I think it's it's primarily positive and he's got a lot of hope and he's happy mm. to be able to, you know, have a safe place for his family and, right. and be able to actually have something. Right. Um, and, you know, more power to him. And I'm glad he and his whole family were able to make it. I'm sure that there are survivors who may have lost some folks that and, you know, in that in that storm mm -hmm. that have migrated to, to Youngstown. Yeah, and whether they had to leave family behind or, oh, you know, yeah. whatever the circumstance is, you know, it's it, it's not one that you'd ever wish anybody to go through. Yeah. Uh, so seeing people, you know, be successful in this area and, you know, being able to provide any type of assistance is, mm -hmm. is really gratifying and humbling. 
So are they are are these folks looking to stay, or this is a temporary relocation, or that probably changes case by case. Yeah. Uh, some people may look to have a long term, you know, solution in the area and and look to have this as their new home. Well, right. others may wait for the situation in Puerto Rico to actually improve, and then they may. Which find could, their way back there. That could take decades. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, in, in some respects, they might as well settle down. Yeah, yeah. Most know. of the island still doesn't have power or clean mm-hmm. water, and it's so that's what words you use to describe that situation. Um, uh, so, um, the uh, these are young families, or how, how's the age range? That's a good question. Uh, Eric is uh, a little bit on the younger side. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that'd be a good thing to look into, uh, maybe discuss with Oka, you know, what's, right. what's the demographic trend for the people relocating? You know, maybe it's a little less risky for a younger family to come over than it is for someone more established in Puerto Rico. Right. I, I, the reason I bring it up is I'm sensitive to age as it relates to transition. So, like, for, for retirement age folks, like... You know, now granted, Puerto Rico is an American territory. They, they they do have familiarity with our broader. They're a part of our society, a part of our culture. So the it, it stands to reason that the transition may not be that big of a jump, but maybe for older audiences, uh, older folks, it might be, mm-hmm. um, and that can sort of transform the the services that that you're offering uh, for these survivors. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think we tried to do a pretty good job of, of running the gamut from, you know, age ranges. We provide some access to child care agencies uh, as well as, you know, senior care. So try to provide at least a couple references and, and agencies and organizations that are doing work across all spectrums. Mm-hmm. Um, uh a while back, I did some work for uh, an organization based out of El Paso. Texas and them being so close to the the border, um, they uh, they were putting together these booklets for um, uh, exclusive Spanish speaking American citizens, and it taught them. It, it didn't teach them English or anything like that. It actually taught them how to manage their homes and like how to take care of their property and like how to get bank accounts and how to do all of these things. And they were these beautifully illustrated booklets. It was a really exciting project for me because, you know, uh, having an interest in Spanish and then also being a graphic designer, like I got to merge the two. Sure. So as I'm as I'm uh, looking at the artwork, it's all in Spanish, and I'm just like, I have no idea whether or not that's a typo, but it sure is fun to read these things. Um, it, it that situation sort of uh, brings up the question for me: um, What or do you have the capability with uh, with what you're doing to influence organizations to develop? content that can be translated into Spanish? Um, yeah, that's, that's, a different, that's an interesting route to go. Um, I know personally for our project, we've kind of taken the approach of we want to make our resources available to meet the needs of whatever population's coming in. Right. But yeah, looking outside our organization, what can we do to kind of make sure that the agencies that we're sending people to mm-hmm. are you know, providing that service. Right. It, it's, it, it, selfishly, uh, 
you know, I, I like that idea because it broadens our culture, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I really like that aspect, but I think the buy-in, like, from other organizations that to translate their information and make that available uh, may actually, the narrative, the story that's told is, we welcome you as well. Yeah. You know, and I really like that. And, you know, being an outsider like I am, um, I've always found Youngstown to be very welcoming. Mm-hmm. And um, especially for, for folks that are undergoing such a traumatic life transition, um, it's nice to have that reassurance like presented to you right up front. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it just seemed like a natural byproduct of, of what you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah, and it'd be great to see some agencies come on board. I know it takes resources and effort and money mm-hmm. and time to, to put that all together. Right. Uh, so it's understandable why that's not typically a priority of some agencies, right. whether it's funding constraints or... And, and you know, coming back full circle with, with our Spanish-speaking population, like, there's your labor force. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Right there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so aside from... Uh, Spanish-speaking folks, have you had? Have you considered any other languages? Or um, let me uh, let me reframe the question: Should there be another natural disaster uh, that isn't uh, Puerto Rico mm-hmm. or a Spanish-speaking uh, country or territory? Um, can you do you have plans on being able to make accommodations for I don't know let's say something happened in Germany sure. like could you adapt your model to fit that type of context absolutely or? and and that's the long term goal so okay uh, we're in the process of setting up our five hundred one c three so we can become a registered nonprofit okay um, and we're hoping that we get enough feedback in public buy in to really connect with and talk to the people that are on the front lines of this. So as they see people coming in, they can give us a notice and say, hey, we're seeing an influx of this population. Uh, you know, is it on your roadmap to, to mm-hmm. incorporate this language? And yeah, whatever that may be. I know a few years ago it was talked about uh, maybe bringing in Syrian refugees to the city. Uh, so that could have been an opportunity where you know, we can cater to that population. So, despite the circumstances that any of the these that that brought any of these people here, I do really enjoy the possibility of them being able to bring their own unique cultures and enrich ours as a consequence of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of Oka and and what they do. Um, <clears throat> culture is such a, a a present thing in in Youngstown. Uh, you know, you have the Spanish festival, Italian, Polish. Oh, my God. Like, those are, like, the three big ones. Yep. But there are plenty more. Um, it would be great to have, like, a heavy African influence. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I had a friend uh, in Pittsburgh who goes out to Cameroon, uh, which is on the west coast of Africa, mm-hmm. every year. And he play, he he basically runs a soccer organization. And he... Uh, he just goes to Cameroon and he runs these soccer camps and has a blast. Well, he actually brought in some of these families from Cameroon to, and they made this just massive buffet of Cameroonian food and like plantains. And it was all like, um, I don't know how much of it was sourced from Cameroon, but it was it was really cool to see that and experience it. Um, and I like that, again, you know, Youngstown being welcoming culture wise. I think it just enriches everything. That, and I really love food. So, <laughs> right? You can't argue yeah. with food. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't argue with that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so uh, 
how did you come up with the name? Yeah, we kind of stewed on that one for a little while. The one in Cleveland's called Bienvenidos a Cleveland. Okay. Um, we wanted to have more of a regional approach since mm -hmm. uh, we realized that the population's not necessarily Youngstown focused. Well, in the, uh, they, they come to Cleveland and then they migrate down to Youngstown and then they can go out from there. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and, you know, more to that point, and I apologize for cutting you off, but, yeah. you know, I, it seems like a lot of our institutions here in the city do have that broader valley approach mm -hmm. just because every the, the connectivity. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. Yeah, so uh, some of our, or a majority of our existent um, at least Puerto Rican population resides either on the east side of Youngstown or in Camel. Um, so we, we took the approach of going Mahoning Valley so we could incorporate, you know, all of the communities mm -hmm. that, that kind of make up our area. Um, and then the word thrive kind of really just spoke to us and, and the Spanish word for thrive is prospero. So it was just kind of like this naturally beautiful kind of way to express, right. you know, what we were trying to get across. Prospero, it rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Especially if you can roll your R's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it's a good name. Mm -hmm. um, it's approachable. It roll, you know, uh, it's memorable. Mm -hmm. um, that's great. So you're in the process of getting your 501c3. Mm -hmm. That's going to take a while. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a simplified version of it, which I guess is a little easier to okay. proceed with than your full-blown kind of larger organization. Um, I think we're trying to take a small approach, do kind of more with less mm -hmm. uh, with our organization. So. Do you have a fiscal agent and things like that? No, really. Really? It's, it's, okay. So Chris and I have kind of led the process, and uh, we brought in uh, Laureen Swartz. She's kind of worked for the past decade or so with... Um, the Latin population, you know, locally and abroad, uh, and she did all of our translations for us, which, you know, we're eternally grateful for mm -hmm. because just a fantastic job. Um, and then just some continuing support from the Wien Foundation uh, to, to give us some advice and uh, kind of the, the initial fiscal agent process was actually housed at YNDC. Okay. Uh, so they made themselves available to receive the grant funding and That's en enable us to do the work since we weren't kind of organizationally bound already. And and some of their constituents are likely going to be these people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, in that sense, it's great that um, they're going to be able to fill the void of, you know, lacking home ownership. Uh, they can get placed right into some of these houses. Sure, yeah. Um, at which point, you can hire me to make booklets on how to take care of your house and set it in Spanish. Yeah, we'd love to do that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <clears throat> that was a uh, shameless plug, everybody. <clears throat> Don't let me get away with that in the future. Um, <laughs> so uh, outside of, of, of Thrive, what, what else do you do? Did you grow up in Youngstown? Yeah, I grew up in Austin Town. Okay. Uh, went away south of Pittsburgh for college at Washington and Jefferson. Mm -hmm. uh, made my way back. I went to Cal U. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, made my way back and uh, found a job at Eastgate Regional Council of Governments, which our main office is right in downtown Youngstown. We've mm -hmm. got a satellite office in downtown Warren. Um, and I do environmental planning, so air okay. quality, water quality, um, any sort of, like, mobility stuff. Okay. Um, so kind of the concept of accessibility has really been a, a big underpinning to my work, at mm -hmm. least recently, uh, whether that's accessibility to places uh, that kind of relates to the air quality and mobility part of my work, um, accessibility to resources, which, you know, Thrive definitely fits into, um, and, you know, the water quality aspect of my work, and then also just the accessibility to information. I think that's mm -hmm. extremely important, and when you're talking <coughs> language differences and, uh, you know, kind of those cultural barriers, right. I, I think that's a big, good first step. Yeah. Um, do you ever get out of the office? 
<laughs> I try to as much as possible. Yeah, get over to. I got. I have things. I. I have a meeting in Mill Creek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> how long have you been at at Eastgate? Uh, it's coming up on five years here. Oh, okay. I think it, Great. this fall. So. Um, and uh, are you back in Austin Town? Are you living in Youngstown? Or yeah, I live on the west side. Okay. Uh, got a house there about three or four years ago. Um, you know, started to get involved with the local neighborhood groups and, mm-hmm. and help out when I can there. So Right. What neighborhood? So I'm technically in the Cornersburg, which is a Cornersburg. mammoth neighborhood. Uh, but uh, since they're just in the starting phases going through the process with YNDC of starting up the neighborhood action yep. team, uh, started to attend the uh, Rocky Ridge Neighborhood Association meetings and okay. help out with their maple syrup project and, you know, any of the initiatives that that they run through. Which, by the way, in exchange for this podcast, I will take one container of, of syrup. <laughs> I'll see if I can hook you up. If you're listening, Slanina, <laughs> hook me up. <laughs> um, that's a great project, by the way. Oh, my gosh, uh, yeah. It's, it's so cool to, to see that. Uh, it really brings a, a community together. So you need to think about what Cornersburg can do. Right, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and source it. Um, Cool. So uh, you're you're living, working, thriving in Youngstown. Yeah. Yeah. Did, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> did you consider moving anywhere else after graduation, or it's like I need to be back home to do these types of things? After graduation, it was about three months of job searching and not really finding anything. So yeah. I was kind of just searching anywhere and everywhere mm-hmm. for for what was out there. Um, and then you know. To bide my time, I started up at YSU to look at maybe a master's mm-hmm. um, in environmental science and also a certificate in GIS, and uh, never ended up finishing that, but you know, made some connections along the way and ended sure. up finding a job out of it. So I guess it worked. Yeah, some <laughs> serendipity at play. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Chris is teaching in city schools. Yeah, he's a licensed social worker, kind of by okay. trade, um, and he's currently substitute teaching. Uh, you know, in the area. I don't know if he's exclusive to Youngstown. Okay. Okay. We'll have to get him on the podcast and, um, you know, pick his brain. Sure. Does he speak Spanish? He can understand Spanish and he can kind of make his way through it. Okay. Uh, So if if I ask him like, yeah, come on the podcast and I'll ask you questions in English, but you have to respond in Spanish. He's not going to be able to do it. Uh, he could probably he could probably get his way mostly through. <laughs> well, if, if if anything, that's a learning experience for me. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, how can people get involved in Thrive? Sure. So our website is thrivemv.org. Uh, all our resources are there. We've got some feedback forms for people that have used the site uh, to give us information on, you know, are there agencies that you connected with that. Uh, you know, are doing a great job. Uh, did you have a less than pleasant experience with any of them? And we can kind of look into that to see who we should be putting on there and who maybe should not be. Um, we've also got some other forms for uh, if, if you are a part of an organization that you want featured on the site, you can let us know that way. Um, and then also we've got an email address contact if you just want to help out. If you think uh, you've got some ideas, you know, we'll be setting up a board here soon, so we'll be looking for board members. And oh, great. Okay. Taking some feedback that way. Is it, uh, for your board, is it mandatory that they're bilingual? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, that would be a, a, probably a good qualification. Right, right, right? I think, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll keep it simple to start out, uh, more idea-driven. Yeah, well, hey, some boards, like, you have to, you have to contribute financially to the nonprofit <laughs> sure, or whatever. Yeah. And this one, like, yeah, 
Uh, cool. Well, um, thank you for your time. And uh, come back on the podcast when, um, you know, uh, at a later time and tell us about some of the stories that that you've experienced uh, throughout this process. And, like, absolutely, you know, if and when the time comes, ask some of your, your clients, for lack of a better word, to, to jump on as well. It would be great to talk to them and really get a, um, <clears throat> you know, when um, – It'd be really great to understand from their point of view the the transition of their lives from Puerto Rico to, to Youngstown. Um, I think that as traumatic as that may be for some folks, I think that would be a really great story to share. Um, and uh, wish you guys nothing but the best. I'm sure this will be a big hit. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, you doing this in other languages. Yeah, absolutely. Get Thanks. invested in Duolingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right.